The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. Now every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended, they started to return. But the boy Jesus stayed back in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was with a group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been in great anxiety searching for you. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. In all the places, about 10 places I've been since I was a child, there seems to be an unwritten contest that goes on to see who is the quickest person to get their tree out of their house after their Christmas celebration. I remember old Dr. Dicker right across the street when I was a kid. Yeah, our tree would still be up till, you know, till at least Advent and sometimes a few days more, but boy, Christmas day, just as sun was going down, his tree was out on the lawn. Well, this was especially obvious to us when we lived in Hampton Falls, because my son was on the, on the volunteer fire department, and because the volunteer fire department sold Christmas trees as a way to make money, people knew that my son and I had goats, and that goats would eat Christmas trees at least down through the stems. And so on Christmas Eve, or the evening of Christmas Day, sure enough, as sun was going down, we'd see four or five Christmas trees piled up by the goat pen. We, we didn't know who was the first, but certainly there were many of them. If you've attended church for a good part of your life, you know that that the season of Christmas, the 12 days of Christmas, start on Christmas Day and run through January 6th, the day that traditionally we ascribe to the wise men, the three kings, the magi, coming to see Jesus. 
These are 12 days after 12, 12 days after Christmas, not 12 days before Christmas, and certainly not 12 weeks before Christmas, as our merchants would have us think. It's after Christmas, not before. Yet even though we set aside these 12 days to celebrate Jesus' birth, there is precious little in the Bible regarding the period between his birth and between his ministry as an adult. Think about it. That's 30 years between when he was born and when he was baptized by John and Jordan Rivers is almost vacant. Of all the Gospels that report about that period, Luke reports the most, and even that is kind of scarce. We have the birth story, Jesus born in the manger. And then we have his interaction with certain wise and prophetic adults. And then we have this lesson of Jesus as a boy in the temple. That's it. So one question you might have is, why aren't there more stories about Jesus as a boy in the Bible? Well, as it turns out, there are legends and stories that, that one can get on the internet and, and elsewhere that will tell you about supposedly what Jesus did. In one of the stories, Jesus, as a little uh, infant, as a little toddler, makes clay birds and throws them up in the air and they fly away. In another story, Jesus gets very angry at a bully who is bullying another kid and turns the bully into stone. We wonder what his parents thought about that one. So why aren't these stories, or others like them, in the Bible? A friend of mine, who was the senior pastor of a large Lutheran church in the Midwest, was questioned by a parishioner who had discovered this stuff on the internet. You know, I mean, if it's on the internet, it must be correct, right? And, and this person kept badgering the pastor, and he finally said, look, when you go to McDonald's, and I know you do, do you wait for them to give you the burnt hamburgers or the, the ultra brown, you know, uh, French fries, the ones that you can't eat because they're, they're so hard? He says, of course not. They throw them out. The Bible doesn't have these other stories in it for the same reason McDonald's doesn't let you have the stuff that's burnt. It's all rubbish. The Bible contains what we need to know about Jesus, not necessarily what we want to know about Jesus. The Bible is all about telling us what we need to know. So what do we exactly celebrate on these Sundays, these two Sundays after Christmas, where we learn something about Jesus. Well, certainly we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And yet when you think about these Sundays of Christmas, the Sundays after Christ's birth, are all about 
previews of things to come. Today I had a choice of what I wanted to preview. For example, we could have celebrated the life of a noted saint. On December 26th today, we could have celebrated the life of St. Stephen, the one of whom we talked about, the one on which the day of Stephen, good King Wenceslas, looked down on the Feast of Seasons and saw a poor man gathering fuel in the deep snow. So we could have celebrated St. Stephen today and talked about his martyrdom for being a witness to the faith. Tomorrow we would celebrate St. John, St. John of Patmos, the one who was exiled for his belief, the only disciple, according to legend, who did not die by brutal methods. And yet, as he acknowledges in the, the revelation of the tribulation that he's gone through, martyrdom in spirit. And lastly, on the 28th, we have the slaughter of the innocents. Those children two years and under that Herod kills to make sure he gets rid of this possible successor, this possible Messiah, Jesus. Martyrs, because there is evil in the world. We are seeing in these three and in other examples previews of what the life of Christ himself and what the life of the Christian is going to be like. These previews are not just like the previews as you see on, on, you know, on TV where you, you get the best few seconds of a, of a, of a movie or television show, but rather previews to remind ourselves that there's more going on here than the delightful birth of a child. These are previews of what will happen to Jesus, what he does in his ministry, and just as importantly, what happens to us and what will be done in our ministry. I saw not too long ago, on TV, a public service announcement of a man who lost his only daughter this, this Christmas season by a drunk driver. She got killed by a drunk driver. And, and he says in a heartfelt and a heartbroken way that he'll never see his daughter go down the aisle with him. He'll never see grandchildren from that side of the family. And he misses her that much. And he talks about her being his daughter. Now, obviously, Mary and Joseph believed Jesus to be theirs. Joseph, of course, knowing that, that, that God was the ultimate father of Jesus, but still, affection for this little child that his wife had, been, had born. And yet Jesus, while he is born, of Mary, or born from Mary, was not born for Mary, not born for Joseph, 
The distinction is important here. Not born of, not just by, born of or by, but rather born for something else. Otherwise, this lesson doesn't make sense that we just read today. Mary and Joseph and Jesus go up to the temple as it was their wont every year. They make a pilgrimage from, from Galilee to Jerusalem. And when they say it goes, they have to go up, they indeed have to go up. The, the road from Jericho, which is down near the Red Sea, up to Jerusalem is uphill all the way. And there are a lot of twists and turns in the old road. I mean, obviously they have newer roads now, but in the old road that used to wind between the hills, there are a lot of twists and turns and there are a lot of canyons. And so you didn't go on your own. You went in a pack, in a group of family and friends. Think of the story of the Good Samaritan where the Samaritan picks up a man who has been robbed and beaten and left for dead. That was the same road that Mary and Joseph and Jesus took. So that was a very dangerous road. And they were in the safety of their family and friends. Well, Jesus is about 12 or 13 at this point. And you know, at that age, kids don't want to walk with their parents. And so what does he do? He walks with his cousins or some of his other friends. And as he does that, his parents, of course, walk ahead with their friends. And they get to the temple, and they get to see, do the Passover at the temple, and they're on their way back. And Mary and Joseph just assume that, that Jesus is coming back with his cousins or with, with some other relatives or friends. And so they're going a day out, and after a day they realize, wait a minute, where's Jesus? And when they can't find them among the camp, they have to go back. Now, the story doesn't tell us whether they went back on their own, whether some other strong men went with them. But they had to pass through that dangerous place again and got back to Jerusalem and searched for Jesus for three whole days. I bet they were frantic. Finally, they find him in the temple. And when they confront him about how he's really worried them to death, he says, did you not know I should be in my father's house? My father's house. Not your house, my father's house. He was speaking with the prophets and the priests. He was speaking words of theology, answering questions and asking questions about the nature of God. He was at home in his father's house. Well, being as he was to his parents, he went home with them. But Mary, as the story says, pondered these things in her heart in the same way that she pondered what the angel said. And Jesus, we are told, grew in stature among both humans and God.
Jesus' very purpose for being here is displayed in this lesson. Jesus' earthly family was not just Mary and Joseph and whatever other siblings there might have been or whatever other cousins there might have been, but rather Jesus was there to be the brother of all the brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a preview of what it will be like to live in Jesus, to be connected with the one that's so connected with God that by being connected with him, we ourselves are connected with God. Excuse me. Jesus is born of Mary, but not for Mary. He was born for our sake. So on this first Sunday of Christmas, let's remember this preview that we saw of a 12-year-old Jesus. It's still a gift to us, no matter what age he was. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.